Welcome to the Dharma Spring. Uh, good afternoon, everyone. Uh, yeah, believe it is afternoon for us all spread across here, although I could be wrong. <laughs> it's great to uh, look out and see the grid of faces, the grid of beings here joined together. And I'm um, one who, for the majority of the time, I meditate with eyes open, partially, glasses off, so my gaze is blurred, but I'm still able to see, you know, what's going on. And during these last few sessions, because of the arrangement on my screen, there was somebody in the lower right corner meditating, and a dog came to visit and um, lick a face, that kind of thing. And then within the next five minutes, on the opposite end, in the left corner, another somebody had a dog show up. And same color dog, so I figured it's pretty much the same dog. Regardless of the state, the town, wherever you are, that one dog walking among us all, licking the faces, looking for laps. Yeah. And then, again, the fortunate arrangement of my screen... This last period, as the here at least, the clouds seemed to clear and the sun got brighter. There were three people right next to each other, each with this bright square or rectangle of sun on the wall behind them. <clears throat> and as I looked at it, it was one wall, one light, same light shining, yeah? And that's how this feels as we're all connected here. We, the dogs and the light shining on us, walking around us, us, joined together here. Hmm. Yeah, so which life is this? This uh, nearly 50-something-odd gathering, one life, all together? Hanging out with our koan story, or actually first meeting it, the, the place that called my attention and, and hold, has held it and continues to hold it is the end. The, the, the time of the two chins coming together and melting into one and, and being one and then questioning and wondering about things. And it just, like I said, draws my attention and has held me there. And uh, I see you know, more resonances with that than just present circumstances for all of us, individually and collectively. Um, for one, in her looking back on those two lives, I know there's been times in my life where I've been very ill, just like a sore throat or some kind of passing virus, but very ill nonetheless. And though my mind could tell a story of this is just a virus, this is just a cold, it's going to pass. The experience of it, of being that ill, was this is it. There is no escape from this. Um, not that I was going to die, but there was no edge to it. It's like, I am never going to get better. And I'm going to be fundamentally transformed forever and have th this will be my condition. No edge to it, no end to it. And on the other life that she's looking at, 
there have been times in my life where I've made decisions and choices and followed a path that has led me to a good space, like her and a chow up the river with marriage and children and um, that, that wonderful feeling of, oh, it was worth making those decisions to, le to, to be here. But there was also a feeling of loss having made those decisions and disconnection and transformation of connections and maybe a bit of exile of, you know, these decisions I made led me to a place where I'm not connected as I used to be to people and the life that I used to know. To know. And, um, but I could justify it. Well, that's the price. That's the cost of such decisions. The cost of having a wonderful experience and a wonderful time here in this life is to feel that exile and that separation. Then in, in pulling the lens out in, in a larger arc of the story, I know for me personally, and maybe you'll find this for yourselves in your own way, when I was younger and started planting seeds for my life, there was a certain trajectory it was taking and going on my plans and ideas of where I was going to end up. So I was uh, planting those, nourishing those, following those. And while I was on that arc, on that trajectory, certain things were showing up and getting my attention or trying to. But it took me a very long time to realize, first of all, that those things were actually showing up, that they just weren't part of the, the regular landscape. And then to be able to listen to them and realize, oh, they're, they're saying something to me. And then to be able to understand them more clearly. So by the time I got to the place of realizing something had been calling and tapping my shoulder all this time while I was following that one trajectory, things had developed in that trajectory. But I felt like, oh, this was a life I was supposed to be living. It was trying to get my attention all this time, but I didn't know how to listen. And I was in this place kind of like... um like Chin, but also not. There was no resolution. There was a place of, what do I do about this? The life I have, is that the one I'm supposed to be living? Or is there a way to go back and be able to fold that listening in? And it was like, well, which life is my true life? Yeah. And then time rolls on and things resolve. And we, we, I did come to that place, and we do come to that place of resolution and realizing... Here, landing right here, fully, things meld together. And then we can meet that wondering and that questioning in a different way, looking back on things. I think of the question that commonly comes up for people, you know, in that second story I was telling, that question comes up of, if you could go back and make a different choice, would you? Yeah? Would you have chosen a different life? Which is a question that wouldn't be able to be asked if you were not in that present life you're in. So it's really that ability to question and wonder that's a gift. And so Chin, looking back on those two lives and wondering about them, that's a gift. And that coming together allows that questioning to come forward and that curiosity. And what I notice is, like in the in the the koan itself, which is very brief, it asks us a question 
talks about this young woman who's, um, who was separated, her soul and her body, and it asks us, which was the true Qian? And then we have, this, we have this retreat, and the question is, which life is this? But if you look at the story, at the end, she's not asking a question. She says, I cannot tell which one was really me. So it's a statement. It's a landing. And she's really saying something that's familiar to many of us. She's saying, I am not certain. Yeah? Looking back, however real both of those felt, having landed here now, I'm not certain which one was really real. And that not certain lands fully with her and with us now in our lives just as they are. And can be a companion that buoys us along, carries us along. And when I land in that place of I am not certain about what was, I can feel it deeply when I look back at that, and it releases all the certainties that I had, those things I'd pinned down as my stories and anchored and said, well, this was so, and then it went to that, you know, everything that seemed linear and that made sense and the puzzles pieces fit tightly, they kind of get pulled up and loosened and freed. So the uncertainty goes backwards and frees all of that from the past, from being set and solid and fixed. And then that wave rolls right into this moment here, and I can land, I do land here. And I can just add to the end of the question, which life is this? I wonder. Yeah? Maybe I can drop the question and just go, hmm, I wonder, I wonder, and carry the wondering. Be carried by the wondering. Because not only are the uh, the certainties and the things that were fixed in the past freed, I'm also freed from having to be certain and figure this out and get it fixed in place and have a plan that works in a way to move forward. I can make the plans, I can have the ideas and the thoughts of where it may be going, and I wonder, and I wonder, as I move along step by step, meeting and responding to whatever comes, moment by moment. And that freedom to be uncertain and to wonder frees up my energies of controlling and managing and figuring out, no longer engaging in those activities, I can more readily and more deeply collaborate and co-create with this reality. This reality about which I wonder. More deeply be involved in it and nourish and encourage what is next. Even if that co-creation and collaboration can only go as far as five days from now, or maybe five hours, or just the next five minutes, yeah. But I'm free to deeply be with it, 
collaborate, co-create, and be a part of the unfolding. Always available to us. Just a little bit more present for us all now. Not just here on these screens today, but globally. Globally, we are not certain. Globally, we wonder, and globally, we co-create. <clears throat> So something that's come up in a few of these circles and gatherings um, in the past couple of weeks came up again for me as a, uh, an, a helpful companion, another koan where someone asks, when everything comes forth at once and overwhelms you, how should you respond? And the teacher says, welcome. Yeah. Welcome to the collaboration and welcome to the co-creation. Welcome to the partnership, yeah. And with that in mind, I wanted to introduce you to a friend, an, a, a companion accompanying me. This, right here. <laughs> this is Lucy. She's got little eyeballs. Um, you may or may not have come across, there's this company, they've created stuffed animals. It's called Giant Microbes, where they take microscopic materials and then create a stuffed animal out of them. What, they, what would they look like if they were big enough to be able to be seen? And this one came to live with us many months ago. I selected her myself. This is the Black Plague. This is what the virus looks like under the microscope, at least a segment of it. And wanting to find a name for her, I looked up the Chinese. And I know it's not a correct combination and not being said correctly, but Black Death can be said Lu Si. So her name is Lucy, which means Black Death. <laughs> and she lives out with the other microbes and other beings most of the time, but in these past weeks, I brought her here to live upon the altar, to rest upon the lap of the Buddha statue there, to be accompanying me and all of us during this time to co-create, to invite even this, to welcome even this Lucy, this virus, this thing that's come to meet us all now. So when everything comes forth at once and overwhelms you, what should you do? How do you respond? Welcome. Thank you for listening. For more about Andrew Palmer and his teachings, please visit bowandroar.com and look for him on Facebook Instagram, and Twitter.